This is Pastor Troy. I hope you're doing well. We are wrapping up season two, but you know what that means? The best of season two. Here it comes. It's coming right at you in just a minute, but don't worry. We're in the studio. We're getting ready. We're getting things lined up, and very soon we'll be unveiling season three of On the Dock. In the meantime, you can go back, watch season one. Check it out. It is fantastic. It's not outdated. Go catch it. And now we're in season two, and get ready for this best of season two episode. you're on the doc.org you found us every tuesday and thursday all about conversation to propel your faith out of the shallow and into the deep this is the the last part of part five of the series which i think is going to be the last episode for season two and so the next time we'll be back we'll be in season three and so we're going to keep propelling you out keep watching keep we're going to be rerunning some of our best stuff coming up check those out but we've got a doozy as we wrap up here it's going to be good we got a lot of good stuff so if you haven't watched all of our stuff go back and start watching that you can find us on youtube spotify itunes google play facebook roku rumble and sermonet and social media, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook. I'm having so much trouble with that day. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, and Getter. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, we'd love to have ideas. If you've got an idea for a show we could do something on, put it out there. Tell us about it. You know, give us some ideas. If you want to come on and uh, have a conversation about something that's going to lift up people and help them grow deeper in Christ or stronger, let us know. We'll have you come on. We'll tell you how to do that. Subscribe, hit like, notify, and, and share it all out. And you can, one of the ways you can do that is you can become a Patreon partner or sponsor. You become a Patreon partner or sponsor. We'll do a show about you. If you've got a Christian business, you're a Christian person, and you've got something going on, we'd love to be partner with you. Uh, reach out to us, look over the stuff, and we can do a show and, and connect people to what you're doing. And we'd be glad to get on here and talk to you. We'd also like to spotlight what you're doing in, in your life and your ministry. So if you got some ideas, send them out to us. Par Patreon partner sponsors a good way to do it. Check that out. On the doc.org, you can find out everything there at our website. You can also email us if you want questions, want to talk farther about that, or you just need directions, email at info at on the doc.org. Our executive producer, Donna Kronuski, will help you out and get us all connected. Got Mother Beth in the studio. Got myself here in the studio, and we have the techno wizard, our executive director, Lucas Winkler here. Lucas, you doing well? Oh, oh you know, Mike? I'm still muted. Yeah, <laughs> you still you you muted yourself. How yep. does it do? I'm doing great. Yeah, you silenced yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad thing when you silence. Well, we're here for the wrap up for the Bible tells me so. You just were with us in part four, hopefully, and you have stuck with us, and you're back on the next episode. And we are going to wrap up this for the Bible tells me so series. It's a uh, on the dock season two, digging deeper in the word series, and we're we're finishing up with the back section in the last one we were doing part four of this take it or leave it but you can't change it we're going to continue that discussion we're going to jump right in but i do want to remind you that we told you get that book 30 days to understanding the bible they are not paying us for this we're doing this because lucas has highly recommended this and we want to get this yeah. out and we're getting and checking out we think you just can keep going just keep studying get the word in you we want to plug that and push that out and 
you know, maybe, hey, maybe they'll see that and become our <laughs> only doc partner sponsor. We ought to send them a clip and tell them, you know. Right. We'd love to have some of them come on. They come on and we do a show on them. So yeah. we're going to get back right where we were. I was talking about in the last episode how in 1992, as a young preacher, I preached a sermon. I'll put it up here. Erosion of the church and validity of the Bible in May 17, 1992, right after the Methodist General Conference of 1992. And there were some scary things happening. There was a challenge to sexuality, a challenge to a biblical thing, and a lot of woke stuff that was hitting the church in 92. It failed in those days, but it got a good hearing. And it failed by some great speeches from those from some of the foreign conferences in Africa and different places. And as a young preacher, I didn't know about all that stuff. So it was interesting to find there were people championing our faith out there. We won for the day, but we kind of lost because out of that conference came some updates to our Bible from the new, from the revised standard to the new revised. Out of that conference came updates to our liturgy and to our hymnal. All those things while we won and held the line on, on not doing ordaining people of, of that, that were involved in homosexuality. To be honest with you, we, we don't ordain people that are in extramarital affairs we don't ordain people right. yeah but somehow i got on that subject you know and it was on other subjects like that abortion and pro-life issues and there were a lot of hot topics in those days and and we kept orthodoxy that day but we really kind of lost because as i said and i closed in the last episode there were three things that were really these are my summaries but at the end of the conference, I learned that there were three eroding issues, and I put all three up here just so we can get linked back in. One of the eroding issues was that basically the accusations of the other side was that the Bible was written by men and translated by men. Thus, it was it was it was um, lopsided. It was um, what's the word eroded. What I mean was these issues would erode the Bible. Is is if if you stay with these, it will begin to erode the Bible as we know it, and they could begin to use it to undermine it and begin to substitute new alternative worldly versions. And one of those was that it was a a, a man's book. This is a man's world. And, and that may be the case in the in the way that who was translated and, and the people that did the work, but they were trying to use it as a reason to say we need to update and change it. And number two, they said it was written a long time ago, so it was archaic. We need to let it get evolved and breathe a little bit and get a little modernness on it, you know. Uh, we need to get some span. And we talked about how they've added spandex to jeans, so it changed <laughs> the culture of jeans. What they were saying was we need to put a little spandex in the Bible to give it a little stretch and a little elasticity. It's a little too narrow. God's got God's got a too narrow path. We want to widen it up to about eight lanes. He, he says it's a narrow road. He does, but they said they wanted to get it up to eight lanes. They'd like to pave <laughs> it over. It's too du- God's way was too dusty and archaic. And, and so let's make it a little bit larger. And one of the ways to do that would be not really to change the road, just swap the signs. The yeah. road that was leaving to hell, which was the wide road, they said, let's put heaven on that one and let's take the dirty road and let's put hell on that one. And we'll just, you ever seen Bugs Bunny, a roadrunner, when they just turn the arrow <laughs> sign around? Yeah. And then they confuse the roadrunner, you know, and he go the wrong way and it'd be like a freight train coming. <laughs> well, that's what we did was we turned the arrow sign around and now everybody's going down the big road. The problem with the big road is, uh, the cars are coming the other way. So, and then the third erosion was it speaks using patriarchal and misogynist language, things like submission, slavery, obedience, conviction, need, dependency, repentance, humility, and sin. And we need to change those things. And so basically um, there was an assault. Uh, there was an assault on God's word in, 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 its, in its kind of a more original form. And so I, let me pose this question that I put in those days when I was preaching. How do we defeat the assault Satan has put upon God's word? I wrote that in 92, but I think it's as applicable 
in 2023 or whenever you're listening to this down the road by, you know, this could be listened to in 2030. I wonder how it'll be then if somebody's listening to this on our archives, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, be like, what happened? You know, these guys are really wrong. It's worse. You know, you know, how do we defeat God's uh, defeat this assault Satan has put on God's word? I think we do it. This is me by realizing that there are some things we must accept about the Bible that do not change to fit our personal desires. There, uh, don't eat forbidden fruit, obey the word of God. Those are things we, if God says don't eat the fruit, don't eat it. I know we ate it and look what happened. Don't eat it, obey the word of God. It'd make it simpler. Look, I have got people in my family that are loved by me that are in different, practice different sexualities that are not biblical. Doesn't change my love for them or how I care for them as a family member. It, it but I can't, I, I'll never be able to endorse their behavior as a God supported behavior. Right. I can endorse their right to choose the behavior that, yep. that you have the right to choose and live that way. And, and you have a right to go to, I guess, a church that wants to practice some other faith, but I'll never tell you that the divine word of God in the Holy church sees that act and that lifestyle as, as anything, but not good for God. Now I'll tell them very quickly. There's plenty of people doing other things that are equally as horrid. So it's not unpardonable sin. It's just something you're going to have to deny yourself of. And I know people go, well, I just, I, well, then I'll never find love and I'll never be able to be me. The Bible told a rich young man to sell everything he owned, pick up the cross and follow him. And he went away sad from Jesus because he owned a lot of stuff and he liked what he had and he didn't want to do it. Yeah. And Jesus said, that's the way it is. It's hard for the rich to go through the eye of a camel. It is hard. I mean, there are a lot of things we give up to accept and follow Christ. Yeah. We give it up not to give it up. We give it up because we believe in the end, his way is a better way. I may not can see it from this side, but I'm so limited in my viewpoint that I cannot see eternity separate from God apart from him. And whether hell's a bad place with fire or whether hell is just the absence of God, I'm just going to tell you, as for me and my house, I don't want to spend time there. Yeah. I just don't, you know? I, I want to be in God's pleasure and I'm going to trust that my creator and the one that has a plan for me has a better plan than I can see. Mm -hmm. And that means I yeah. give up some rights to myself. I do. When, when you become a slave, you can be a slave to sin or you can be a slave to righteousness. <laughs> I choose a slave to righteousness. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean my own stuff doesn't mess up. It just means when it does, I don't try to adjust the Bible to make it okay. I adjust my heart to repent of it so that I can be acceptable again to God. What I love is God is very forgiving and very merciful. Yeah. yeah. He took murderers back. He takes, he takes prostitutes back. He took thieves back. I mean, he, he takes sinners back, right? He sent his only begotten son to die for sinners and, and all sinners deserve the wages of their sin. But the gift of God is eternal life. That that's the gift of grace. That's what we find in the book of Romans. We see a pathway back. And God is on our side. He's not against us. So let's get that clear. Yeah. But we cannot just change it. It won't work. Now, let, I want to deal with those things that were erosions that I said in 92. And I want to I talk to them in the light of then and now, I guess. And the first one was, it was translated by men. It was written by men. The Bible's written by men. I mean, you know, we kind of think and know that. You know, I can't say that. I mean... We believe it was written by men. Right. Um, 
it probably was. I'm not trying to say there was some magic woman that wrote a Bible someplace. You can't say that nobody. I mean, here, okay. I went to seminary, okay? And on my wall is a diploma that says, you know, Reverend Dr. Troy Benetton, graduate, SMU, doctorate of theology. And I wrote my stuff, but my stuff was edited by a woman sitting across this table. Her name's Mother Beth. <laughs> she wrote and cleaned up almost everything I wrote. Yeah. So I, you, we don't know that women weren't involved in edits and cleaning up the language and maybe some of these men that we think could write, couldn't write. Like yeah. I can't do English well. So somebody made my English look better. So I get better <laughs> grades, but I mean, they were my thoughts. I mean, there were times when my wife said, your thoughts don't make sense. I would get notes back. I went to sleep some nights. I'd send her my notes from Dallas and then I'd wake up and she'd have corrections made. But then there'd be times when she just have big circles. Like I have no idea what you're trying to say. You're going to have to write this again. Even I'm confused. I hated that. I wanted her to just fix it. Right. But she couldn't figure out what I was trying to say. <laughs> That's bad. I wonder how many times these guys wrote something that nobody could figure out. And then the, you know, so I can't tell you that there weren't women involved. I can't really imagine there weren't, you know, I know some societies think, well, women had no value then and all that stuff. Look, it did to Jesus. It did to Jesus. He had a herd of women following him around. These women were the first ones to figure out the resurrection. It wasn't the men, yeah. you know, I, Jesus had, I mean, a tribe of women around him. Some people suggest that the disciples were completely supported by the finances of the women. So it wasn't like we do, or we, we ask you for a Patreon sponsorship. They had women that were funding stuff. They were sewing and doing projects and Mary and Martha. And well, we have 17,000 Marys in the Bible. And you know, there was a herd of Marys. I don't know if they, you know, brought to you by Mary, Mary Kay. They probably had Mary Kay before Mary. So I, women were funding a lot of this. I'm serious. Women were yeah. funding this. These guys went all fishing. I don't know who fished. Do these women keep fishing? I mean, Peter, Andrew, James, and John still had a fishing business. We don't see them fishing. Were their wives stuck fishing and sending them a check so they could run around the countryside with Jesus? <laughs> they certainly came home to Capernaum regularly to, to hang out and yeah. then eat fish. And then they wanted Peter's mother-in-law to get up and cook. Yeah. Right? Right. I mean, they stayed in Peter mother. The only place we know that the, we know where Peter mother, mother-in-law's house was. Her floor is tiled with mosaics. It's the most known place in, in Capernaum on the, on the sea of Galilee is her house. It's, it's one of the most earliest known sites of biblical history is Peter's mother-in-law's. If they weren't important, why do we know where her house is? Right. True. We don't even know where Jesus's house was. We don't, we do not know where Jesus lived, but we know maybe Nazareth someplace. We know maybe here in some place, we actually know where Peter's mother. So why would we, well, cause they were left running the fishing business. Right. So, you know what I mean? I, and I don't know. So I don't want to say that, but second Peter one says for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the spirit. So we need to understand that yes, men probably wrote this translated by men, maybe even edited by women, maybe supported financially. Maybe the writing was supported financially by women. We, we need to remember the Bible is considered to be the holy spoken word of God as moved by the Holy Spirit. Mm. So, so I, first of all, I don't want to hang in on men. I want to hang in on the Holy Spirit, knowing that what was said in the beginning, in the back, there's continuity. 
the the miracle of there being 66 books written by multiple 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 different men and there's continuity over those hundreds of years thousands of years that's written is amazing it's mind-blowing yeah and 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 to just blow it up because it was written by men in an age of men and if anybody i mean jewish mamas were so powerful jewish mamas were powerful then look jesus like doesn't want to do any miracles he's like i just want to go to the wedding mom mom says make the wine it, it son make the wine <laughs> it's not my time mom mom make the wine and, and and she tells the servants to go get water she she ignored jesus got the water and then said boy make the wine and the boy made the wine yeah honor thy father and mother that your days may grow long jesus was without sin he honored her so I, I cannot believe there wasn't some female involvement, but I'm not going to hang it on that. I'm just going to say the Holy Spirit, it, it, the word is the Holy Spirit. Don't blame it. So I think that's just bogus, okay? We'll go deeper. The second thing that they said, it was written a long time ago. Society's changed. It was it was a agrarian society, you know, evolved. We've evolved. We're, we're smarter, you know. Uh, situations are different, you know, you know, in that society, they, you know, had different purposes. What do you guys think about that? Do you think the Bible's changed so much that we need to kind of readapt it for a modern mindset? No, because it's mostly principles, not right. It's not dependent on, on society or your circumstances. Morals, ethics, and principles yeah. that are fairly, I mean, that are timeless. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of what I said back then when I was preaching this. And, and I think it's true now. We have to understand the Bible is the word of life. So it, it's it, if, if it's the word for life then, isn't it the word for life now, for today and tomorrow and until the kingdom comes? Because we're told in the Bible, Hebrews 13, 8, I got that scripture at the bottom on the screen there, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's omnipresent, if he's omniscient, if he's all-knowing, wouldn't what the Holy Spirit told us then, and it's if it's going to be kept around for now as it is, why wouldn't it be just as valid now? Why why right. couldn't you write a timeless story? I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of things we read, uh, fables and different things that have morals and ethics. I mean, even take some of the Aesop's fables. I mean, they're not yeah. Bible, but the morals and the ethics behind them teach and tell you good things. And those good things are still morally good things today. You know, the paradigms may change to how we understand it. And yeah, we're not maybe agrarian, but to be honest with you, Beth, Beth grew up in agrarian society. She grew up as a right. farmer's daughter and, a, and a, her dad had cattle and pigs. And, you know, there's a large part of our world that we call the flyover between New York and LA that, that is agrarian, you know? They, that, so there's society today that still understands you can eat what you raise and that your cow actually has, is a real critter. It's not a McDonald's burger. Beef is beef is not a McDonald's burger. It's an animal. Beef, cattle, you know? You know, there's people that are like, oh, I can't do that. I've seen it, you know? You know? Chicken McNuggets came from a chicken. You know, like a formerly live chicken. It did then. It will now. It will in the next, well, <laughs> it may not in the next generation. I, mean, I saw it. We just approved like artificial meat. What is artificially... We got some sort of deal where we're going to have artificial lab-grown meat. Plant-based. Oh, no, no, lab-grown meat. Oh, this right. last week no, they approved the lab-grown chicken. It's meat. Uh, what is lab-grown chicken? Poison. No, what is lab-grown chicken? 
how do you grow meat? Is it going to be like a bacteria meat? I don't know. I think it's like cloning, right? Something. Yeah, something like that, that line. Yeah. yeah. So we got to understand the Bible is the word of life for today and tomorrow and until the kingdom comes. And the Bible is the word of life. In being the word of life, it was written for society long ago, but it also lives. The Bible lives just as effectively today and, and maybe even more so. Yeah, because it's, I mean, the things that are happening in Revelation are like revealing itself today. Right, right so, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, maybe some of this Bible is for the day because now we've got to be sensitive to that time that's coming. Right. So I think one of the things that we need to realize, church, that, that's really important for us to realize is that the Bible is not over. Right. I think the key is we need to understand the Bible uh, is still happening. It's not over. You know, Satan is an expert at, at I used to say this, uh, Satan is an expert at changing bait. He He's always fishing for us to get out of God's will and his life and out of the Holy Spirit waters, but he's an expert at changing bait. So the bait in 1992 was homosexuality. Mm. And then the bait became the abortion issue. And then the bait became uh, uh, being, being gay or lesbian. Then the bait became now being transgender. So the bait changes and the argument changes. And the question really is, is are we going to be faithful to God's word or not at God's word? Right. So, so why do we get hung up on the innu innuendos? Why don't we look at God, what, what he desires from us? Realize the Bible again is not over. It's still happening. And parts of the Bible have yet to be fulfilled. And you and I are in our part of the story, as you just said, Lucas, yeah. that is still being written. I mean, I mean, revelations, New Testament is not happening yet. You could argue the seven churches maybe are in process right now, but beyond that, it's still unfolding. We're still in the book yeah. of Acts. You can argue that Daniel is not happening yet all. The Old Testament book of Daniel, the Old Testament book of Ezekiel is still occurring. He had a vision about what would come and Daniel, what would happen in the end time. And, and this thing's not over yet. So the story is still being written. And as such, that would mean as we said in one of the episodes, the Bible is food for the spirit. It's not just food for yesterday. First Peter two says you must crave pure spiritual milk. We need to make sure the milk, the Bible we're reading is still the pure, the, the unadulterated, not doesn't have much additives to it. I, I just saw this article oh, a few months ago where they were griping because during COVID, there was a shortage of formulas and some of the formulas they were bringing in from other manufacturers overseas had other Rather than being a dried baby formula, it was dried baby formula with surplus fillers put in it. Mm, sure it was. They had put other stuff in it uh -huh. so that you could, you know, make the milk go further, you know? Mm -hmm. So so in that case, you're not really feeding the baby pure spiritual milk or pure baby milk. You're feeding baby milk plus. So today, a lot of us have taken the Bible and theology and even, even our doctrine, and we're trying to do God plus an adaptation for modern reality, you know? And, and I hate to tell you, we're told that we need the pure stuff. It's the pure stuff that gives us the, it says here, that will help us grow into the full experience of salvation and that we're to cry out for that nourishment, pure nourishment. And that's, that's what we want to taste of what the Lord is. We're told in Hebrews that the Bible is the food for the spirit, that we need the solid food, the meat, the real substance of it. Today, everywhere we turn, Beth and I were just talking about this, was that we're now talking about plant, you need to switch to, I, I, I have my doctor told me this, uh, our doctor, our new internist, just wonderful, wonderful lady. But she says, you know, it's okay for you guys to have meat once a week, maybe. 
And she really wasn't pushing steak at all. She was like, like you, it would be okay maybe to have a piece of chicken. I like, didn't even hear her say. You didn't that. hear her say, yeah, yeah. It's okay, it was, but but you need to try. Up. You need to try to switch to your plant based. I blocked that up. No, no. Yes. She was like, you really need to go mostly to your plant based proteins. <laughs> fake meat, right? Fake chicken. Oh. And, and and I'd be honest with you, if you have it tastes good, I've tried all of it because we had a dog that was a vegan, you know. Well, she's that impo- that anymore, in, she quit but... that. The that was it. The Impossible Burger was decent, you know. Yeah, it was good. It was decent. If you grilled it and got grill marks on it, get some carcinogen <laughs> and grill marks on it, it was okay. Some good. There's and some, those sausages. There, were good. Some of the sausages were good. Yeah, I know, I know. But no matter what, let me just put it this way. The possums wouldn't eat it in our house. The <laughs> no, animals don't. Would not. The animals wouldn't want to eat it. No, they won't. And when your dog, when your dog won't eat it, there's a problem. Yeah, oh, it's alarming. When your dog won't eat it, your dog, our dog, your do- possum won't eat it. I think your po- when your possum won't eat it, we have a video we could show you sometime on here. We have a video of a of a impossible type hot dog where our possum is eating it and throwing it up out of its mouth active. Yikes. Then it eats another bite and does it again. again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And yeah. runs. Yeah. And it, it just, the dog won't eat it. The cat won't eat it. And let me just tell you, we have a dog here. It's not our dog. It's Heather's dog. It's an older dog. He, he's nice dog, I guess. He's not the sharpest dog in the shed. But <laughs> one of his favorite things, he loves, just loves to go down to the kitty litter box. And get a nice rolled around kitty treat to eat. Mm. He just likes a good, just think of pecan rolls, but kitty poop rolls rolled up and he likes to munch them and he calls them kitty treats. (laughs) And the dog is just smiling from whatever dog smile from ear to ear, but he won't eat a vegan hot dog. dog. (laughs) Now when you eat a kitty treat, and not eat a hot dog. There's a problem. <laughs> Houston, we got a problem. Yeah. Something is not in there that's right. Okay. Yes. So or something is in there that's let not me get right. this down to Troyism one oh one twenty nine point two three. I said this on January twenty ninth, twenty three, so you can find this sermon based on that date. When we remove the word of God from our life, when we allow it to be spoiled or corrupted, I want to say or substituted with fake stuff, we can no longer be fed by it. It won't feed us. And we begin, I believe, it will begin to let us spoil rot and we begin to die from spiritual malnutrition. So when we're taking in spiritual milk that's not milk and we're taking in spiritual solid food that's no longer spiritual solid food, then in essence, we're going to begin to die of spiritual malnutrition. Mm -hmm. And so that goes back to my point two. And the point two was, it was written a long time ago. Society has changed and evolved. No, meat was meat in the beginning. Milk was milk in the beginning. Right. And the Bible will be the Bible of meat and milk spiritually in the beginning, now, and forever shall be. Yeah. Oh. We used to sing it every Sunday. Most of y'all didn't grow up in mainline churches. I mean, you grew up in Methodist church, but we it was a church right. I started. So it was... We did the glory patre, you know, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, and so it is and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. We used to sing the glory patre, as it was in the beginning, so it will and ever shall be, a world without end. When we sing that song, and I cannot tell you how many churches still sing the glory patre that are traditional, 
Episcopalians still sing it. Lutherans still sing it. Uh, Methodists still sing it in, in traditional churches. They sing the Glory Patri. They sing it every Sunday, but then they don't actually function like it. Yeah. They don't, they sing it, but they don't, world, that shall be world without end. Amen, amen, amen means agree. We sing those songs. We worship that way, but we do not mean that we worship a word and a God who is consistently the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yeah. And I don't know how we say that and don't mean it. But we, but we have people like that. We just have people that just want you to change sin. And that reminds me when we were in the early stages of your, your home church, Highland, Lucas, you're a little boy, you're two years old, three years old then. Um, we had really good couple in the church, had, had, had deep family, had preachers in their family from the UCC church. A UCC church is more formal than the Methodist church. They sing the Glory Patre every week. They say the Apostles' Creed every week. They sing the Doxology every week. They read three scriptures every week, Old Testament, New Testament, Gospel, and Psalter every week. They, they, yeah. they sing. It is and ever shall be. They, they say uh, the stuff. They read the Bible. And they came to our church, and I gave a sermon to the children's time about how original sin came into the world. And as a result, each of us, I talked to the kids, each of us are conceived in original sin. We can't get around it. Yeah. You know, our parents, that's what happens. And now that's why we need Jesus to cancel the original sin. Afterwards, this family came to me and said, you know, we were just getting ready to charter the church. We were still in early worship. And they said, you know, our, our little girl's perfect. She's without sin. And we don't accept the fact that she's born in any kind of original sin. And if we're going to keep coming to your church, you're going to have to quit preaching on the fact that, that our little girl has any sin whatsoever in her. She is without a blemish. And I said, well, save Jesus. Everybody's got a blemish. <laughs> and I said, this is the reason why. And I went through it. And they said, well, we just don't believe in that. And we need wow. you to, we're, we're fine with it, but just if you'll just agree not to talk about that anymore, we'll stay and be glad. And they were a good giving family. They were a wonderful family. And I said to them, I said, my brother, and I won't use his name, Ken, I don't use last name. Your father's a preacher in the UCC church. You've been attending your whole life. Yeah. What do you say when they do the Apostles' Creed and then you sing the Glory Patre and then you sing the doxology? What are the last words? He said, amen, on all three. I said, the word amen means I agree. Mm. So all these years you've been saying these things and you say, I agree? He said, oh, that's just liturgy. Wow. I don't agree with that. It's just liturgy we say. I said, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's statements of faith that we believe. When we, when our church says our church community faith, we use that second Timothy text every week before we read the Bible. That, that one, I mean, it, it, it was the lead for this whole series. All scriptures, God breathes, used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And everybody says, amen. And then we read the scripture. And what we mean is what you're fixing to read was God breathed. I know a man may have wrote it, but we believe God breathed it. And we believe it can teach you, rebuke you, correct you, and train you in righteousness. And we believe it's God's word. Yeah. So if you don't like it, too bad. Be rebuked, be corrected, be trained, learn your better way. So when we say amen to that, we mean we accept it. It doesn't mean the pastor needs to clean up the next language of what we read so that it's politically correct today. So this couple basically threatened me. And, and Lucas, they left the church over it. Yeah, I bet they did. Because I told them I would... I, I, Here's what I told them. I said, I love you guys, but I don't have the authority to 
change that. Take it or leave it. Yeah. If we're going to be a church that's founded on the rock, we're stuck with that. Right. And I don't know how I cannot. You're asking me to make a promise that's not mine to change because I'm a preacher of the gospel. Right. Yeah. And I don't have the authority. Now, I could tell you I won't do that. But if I tell you I won't do that, it doesn't change the fact that your daughter's conceived in original sin. She right. needs to repent. And I agree with you. She's near perfect. Yeah. But near perfect's not good enough. We got to repent of our sin, deal with our own personal sin. And I believe she'll overcome because the blood of Christ will allow her to overcome. Yeah. But they just didn't want to hear it. Hmm. And off they went. So I don't know, you know, I, we have, but that's a light case. That's an example, but we have that on steroids today across the spectrum. And, and, and I just think just cause it was written a long time ago, it doesn't mean God's out of touch and we've got to be careful not to be getting malnourished from what people are doing to the Bible today with substitute meats, substitute milks. We've got to make sure that we're getting the unadulterated word of God. Amen. Yep. The last thing we looked at was it speaks using the, the patriarchal and misogynist language of submission, slavery, obedience, conviction, need, dependency, repentance, humility, and sin. These are words that you see through the Bible that we that, that, that we need to be slaves, that we need to obey our master. And the people go, well, that's that, that takes people back to black slavery. I hate the new news, news for you. Slavery has been taking place in society since the beginning. Um, I understand we have a black and white thing in the, in the history of America and European, but all this predates that to the Middle East and the Eastern people. Right. Africans amongst Africans have been taking each other and slave their entire civilization. The Liberians conquered Liberians and tribes conquered tribes and people have been taking people and, and selling themselves. So, so this isn't a new subject. It's a subject that continues to be a part of our society and a terrible part. But but we're not talking about slavery here in the sense of African slavery. We're talking about what you submit yourself to and let you let lead over your life. And if sin is rampant in your life, then sin is your master. Yeah. If God is rampant in your life, God is your master. So yeah. we're all going to be slaves to something. Yep. My wife is a slave to Pepsi. She loves <laughs> Pepsi. Right? I'm a slave to Ices. I like Ices. You know? Yeah, I, we, I'm a slave to peanut butter. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all have to, and so you don't, I know it, it can be patriarchal language, but we also can be mature enough to understand that, that the concept of African slavery and, and European abuse of it, this is not that subject. This is not that, okay? Obedience. The Bible says, obey my word. I, I read, I'm in Psalm 119 now in my morning devotions. It's where it's the longest Psalm of the Bible and it uses, it's got stanzas based on the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet. So every section. And it, if you're reading Psalm 119, every verse mentions some form of a reading, obeying the word of God, conforming to the word, understanding the word. It's the longest Psalm and the Psalm is a reiteration of David, uh, uh, of, of, David writing in the Psalm of how we need to be faithful to the word. It's a, it's a, it's an alphabetic remez to drive inside us in every word of the Bible. A is for accepting the word. B is for being a believer of the word. C is for being convicted by the word. D is for being a doer of the word. It'd be like me taking the alphabet and in every word saying, I got to be faithful to God with it. Yeah. Psalm 119 does that. 
And it doesn't do it just simply. It does each one as a paragraph. So it's very long. And when you get done, you just realize David was saying the word's got to be a part of your life in every word and aspect and way and nook and cranny. Yeah. So obedience to the word is not some slavery thing. Obedience should be the life of the follower of God. Conviction. To be convicted over something, they, they wanted to get rid of conviction because conviction would imply you're sinful. Sinful would imply that it's bad. So they had to get rid of conviction because you can't be convicted of things that are sinful because there's no sin and nothing's detestable. So conviction just makes people feel bad about something. So quit being so intolerable. So just ditch conviction. Just be yeah, nice. Just, I think, I, can you can you elaborate on the difference between like feeling convicted and feeling shameful? Yeah, you know, I, I think I, I, I think there's not a clear line. I, I, I do too. People. I think see, see, conviction is when we know that what we're doing is is out of line with God. I feel convicted. My spirit does not line up with God. I'm out of line with the headship. Shame is shame is we can feel shame for things we've done wrong. And shame can be things that we feel ourselves, but convictions when we're out of line with God, shame's when others project that on us. Mm-hmm. So, so shame is more when others see us naked. Conviction is when I know I'm naked. Yeah. I know I'm naked. I'm convicted. Mm-hmm. Shame is when others see my conviction. So you can be, you can both be convicted of something and shame. You know, and and, and there there are. Sh- our society predicts projects some shame on us that's not even shame. It's right. just everybody goes, oh, look at them. Yeah. Now, and here's what they do today. Look at them. They're a Bible believer. They're a fundamental, evangelical, hard-headed, orthodox Bible believer. Ooh. <laughs> and the collection of society goes, you're naked. And you go, oh, I didn't know I was naked. Oh, I guess I'm naked. Because you decide that society, you're not in line with society. So now you shift your conviction to society versus shifting your conviction to what God's standards are. So where does your conviction lie? In what God's word says or in what people say? And then, mm. then shame will determine where you're orientated. Gotcha. Like, like okay. So Good. conviction comes from God, shame comes from people. Yes. Yeah. So for, here's an example. Great example. This is going to be TMI, okay? Oh no! Jeez, be prepared. Oh no! Beth and I had colonoscopies this week, oh. our last two weeks. But Beth, Beth handled her well. But but when you get the colonoscopy, they put this gown on you, and the back of your gown does not cover the back of your side. Mine doesn't. I'm too fat, so I have a backside. So so then they go. Do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you need to go pee? Well, yeah, I got to jump up and pee. So you jump up and you go to the bathroom. And then you're halfway down the hall of, of the clinic and you realize there is a draft on your backside. <laughs> I didn't cover my backside. I just went on to the bathroom. Everybody there that's working has seen nothing but backsides. <laughs> they are a backside place. They are they're doing colonoscopies for a living every Monday. This is not the first dairy error they've seen. Dairy error is their speciality. You know what I mean? So, so for there, there's no shame in it because there's no conviction because what they're there to do is check your derriere. They're doing colonoscopies. Mm. But if I went out in that and came to church in it, it would be like, the pastor left his pants off, you know? And so what determines the shame of having the back of that gown open is whose conviction it's founded on. Mm. Where I was was normal. And so our society is trying to change the normalcy 
of a lot of things that we're ashamed of. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's why we're hearing about things we would never have heard about 20 years ago. Types of things and books and storytelling and drag queen shows. I feel like, and, though, I, I feel like there's more to it than that. I'm, I, but, I think people want to... Uh, I think people want to say that shame is a bad thing and it, and it can be a bad thing. But with with if you're totally without shame then that's not good either. But let me let me explain though. Adam and Eve were naked in the garden, it wasn't shameful. We were created that way. Yeah. It got shameful because sin came into the world and we tried to do it our way. Yeah, but we can't do away with that because No, that, we're not going to go back to being naked that either. Told them something was wrong but they broke the fruit right my, my point is it, they weren't convicted until they broke the rules right and then shame came in i didn't break the rules when i got up to go pee they told me to go pee and i just happened to have that gown on and then i realized halfway down the hall then i thought well it doesn't matter they're the ones who put me in that gown i'm okay here this is normal here but if i went outside to the car like this it would be shameful I guess what I'm saying is society right now, though, wants to do away with shame and wants to do away with making people feel bad because this is the way they are. No, and my point is today, half people be wearing that stuff, half people are wearing stuff like that outside now, normal. That's normal. What what the world would say now is if you want to wear a gown like that out in public, that's up to you. That if you want, but that's it, not a good thing. No, it's not a good thing at all. But I, I, my point is, we've lost conviction. We've we've lost the relevancy to what the Word of God means and how important it is for us, and the dependency we have on looking at God at why. Mm-hmm. You know why? Why do we have? Why are we supposed to be discreet? Why are we supposed to be respectful? I mean, look, the Bible in the Bible, David looked on Bathsheba naked on a roof, taking a bath, a purification bath. It's a bath she took every month. Mm-hmm. Every woman in Israel took that bath every month. That was of fertile years. You got, you got through with your period. You took your bath. You returned. It was a ritualistic thing you did. It was normal. David probably looked over there a dozen other times and knew she was bathing. He looked away most times. One time he looked over and his fantasies ran wild. And what was normal became abnormal because of his fixation on it. What I'm saying is when we become fixated on something that's not biblically right, he should have looked at her as a sister in the Lord or a mother in the Lord and looked away. Right. And not look with interest and just go, oh, that's nice. She's having a ritual bath. Let me go back inside, you know, instead of going, hey, baby, come on over. I I fixed us some steaks. And then he raped her. And look at the sin that took place after a result. When he tried to manage it himself, she was doing something normal. It wasn't obscene what she was doing. No, he but should, what he did was he shouldn't have seen it as obscene. He, he shouldn't did, have been attracted about what it. What he did was shameful. Absolutely shameful. Absolutely shameful. But but my point is, it was normal what he saw. It was normal what was happening. He perverted that. Yes. And then he tried to kill the husband, which he did, yes. to make it normal. Yes. He tried to fix it. He tried to rewrite it. It didn't work. Right. He got called out. It cost him huge. It cost him the child. It cost him three days of disease. It cost him. When we, it doesn't, look, if God took that punishment out on David, whom he loved, David was a friend of God. 
why wouldn't God hold me, you, or anybody today accountable for a similar breach of character or ethics or morals? Right. When I'm in Africa and I'm going through the bushes and tribes, there are naked women people, taking baths. Naked people everywhere. They're out washing themselves. And you notice it and you go, that's nice. Let's go on. You don't go, ooh, she's naked, you know? Right. You know, hey, baby, <laughs> you know, it's ordinary life. The nakedness isn't the dirtiness of it. It's the fantasy and the life that goes on it that becomes more than a mother or sister. It, it's the thought that begins to incubate. And the next thing you know is, well, you know, and, and that's what people do a lot today. With but I think a lot of people think that if there was never any shame associated with that, that that wouldn't happen. But that's not true because sin causes that to happen. Absolutely, it does. Well, the mind justifies. Cannot get away. The mind from justifies it. It justifies right. why. Why David says, "Well, I've had a hard time, and I just need a little personal moment." You know, and this is, I, you know, you know, he he tried to justify everything he was doing. Why well, I'm yeah. the king, you know. But it doesn't matter whether you're the king or you're the pauper. Sin is sin. Mm-hmm. Bible, the, the God is not a respecter of persons. His sin is sin, whether you're the president of our, our nation or whether you're the poorest person on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, the widow is the widow. The child is the child. We're to protect the innocent. We're never to exploit people. And we're to look on people as if they're our sisters or our mothers unless we've taken them as our wives and done that properly. Mm. And then, only then. So, so... All sex outside the confine of marriage is, is inappropriate. A lot of us have made the mistakes and we've had sex before we should. All of that's repentable. David was able to repent of his sin. David was able to find correction of sin. God understands we're going to make mistakes. God understands our flesh, our spirit is willing and our flesh is weak. God's not unmerciful to these things. He's just not going to change the rules. He's going to make us back up. You're not going to pass go, collect $200 and get past God. You've got to back up before go repent of your sins, apologize, and start over. Yeah. You know, you just start over. But then you could, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch this out a little bit more, sorry. Go ahead. Um, then we also have, like, the attitudes today that girls should be able to wear what they want to wear because nobody, they shouldn't have to worry about how men look Huge at Huge argument today. You're just causing trouble, I man. Know. You're, and, you're, but that's... And it's... And I, it, if that's I, nice. If in a I make a comment world. about that as a man today, okay, I'm gonna I get make in trouble. a comment okay. about it. Okay, so. hang, on, hang on a second. I, I'm gonna let you do that. But but look, first of all, if I comment about that, I'm Lucas and I can't even say anything about that. We just no. we just look away. It's nice. But you a, know that if you say something to some of the younger girls, even younger women, younger leaders in the church, younger leaders in the world today that consider themselves a Christian, you know you as a mother of the church, being a woman in her fifties, coming out of some background. If you go to the younger lady in the church and go, um, ma'am, I think you need to think about this. This is not really, this is not healthy for some of the young men in our church. What are you going to be told? It's a problem with the men. It's it's their problem. Yeah. They, they need to not look at me like that and look away like that. Go ahead. Right. It's, it's so, in a perfect world. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, and get her. Tell us what you think right now. might be true, but we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a world full of sin. So you're saying that we should we should just suck it up and bear the temptation. I think if you are willing to take the risk, go ahead and wear and do whatever you want to. Do you think but do you think the younger you ladies cannot. bear responsibility for some of this? Yes. Okay. 
you cannot do that and then have something happen and Look, and totally can, i'm not saying you shouldn't be able to but the fact is you can't i'm not going to listen i hate to defend i'm not no, i didn't i'm not trying to defend this i'm with you on the argument in general but i'm going to defend bathsheba i don't think bathsheba was doing anything wrong no she I, was and in and, her on her property and i know and but david had a view of it i mean he's he had a view of everything from his house a lot of people had a view of it. Okay, but I don't think that's the same thing. It was as, his responsibility. I don't think to that. Okay, I don't think that's the same thing as her coming over here to take the bath. Okay. I don't think the provo the, the provocateur. There, there's more distance to it. I will go there with Christian, young men, young men, old men, all of them. Yes, it's a responsibility to look away if there is some if they see something that's going to be enticing. Look away. And they walk know away. it's going to be an issue. They should look away and agreed, walk away. Agreed. We're I agreed totally on that. agree with okay. that. And it is in their purview to be in and, control. And so in some ways, the women that feel like that, they're right. They are right. They're right. But. Unfortunately, we do not live in a world full of Christian young men with good convictions. And so some men may be borderline on that. And some and, men will not turn away. So they you're now going to lead them for, now yes. you're going to make it harder on them. So you do need to consider your appearance before you go out and okay. i'm not ever saying it's never a woman's fault if something happens it's not right i agree with that it I, is totally on the man i agree with that but I you're saying saying there is nothing wrong but with our sisters and mothers in the lord should make it harder for the men to look away yeah. and to not take notice and, right I, I i agree with that but me and lucas got the right to remain silent just to protect ourselves right i appreciate that Right. No, I, I think it's fair. I think all that's fair. And I think there is an attitude amongst some of the young Christian women today that they need to look at that. Yes. I, and I, do you, why because, do you want... Because there's young men out there that haven't given their life to Christ yet that are wrestling with it. Yes. And, and why and you would don't you want, want to, create, to be a stumbling block And you don't them. want to create a fantasy life in them that's no, unhealthy for exactly, that future. Right, right. Exactly. You have a responsibility And with also. the prevalence of pornography and other things, you don't want to be seen in that image and well, light either. Just right. with the normal male female attractions right you don't want to be a stumbling block to your and we're not saying your... that you got to dress from neck to no to, to t length okay right but there's nothing wrong with minding how you dress and being aware of how it might affect others around you and not being provocative yes. if you don't need to be provocative yes yeah. okay or i guess i don't know when you need to be provocative i guess when you get married when you, you get be, married you can be provocative Do, be as provocative as you want to be. absolutely I, I agree with that so let me let me let me get back on this I, I think this is a good conversation write us i mean really we'd love to hear from you on this this is a good deep conversation um gosh lucas we had to get quiet on this gosh yeah i'm not saying anything sorry yeah, i know um i'll take the heat on yeah all women right now that are upset right uh mother beth on social medias and we'd love to hear from you yeah. donna i mean donna's out there we'll see how she defends that on social <laughs> media donna yeah so what they did was it, they said this language in three speaks of all this misogynist stuff, repentance, humility. So what they did, guys, I, and I said this to you, is they went into the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. They changed a lot of this language to soften all this. They went in then to the hymnal and to the liturgy and changed words like conviction and dependency and humility and obedience, needing, repentance, submission, and sin, and, and weakened all those. So conviction 
they said conviction made people feel in fear, so they had to get rid of the word conviction. And and so they used other words. And instead of using the word need, they, they thought need made people dependent. So they got rid of that you need to have faith in Christ. So they would say, we encourage you to find faith in Christ. So, so uh, dependency, they thought spoke of being dependent upon Christ's suffering uh, was too strong. So that you need to exp- uh, learn to appreciate Christ's suffering, you know. So they got rid of a lot of words that, that changed things. They got rid of the word sin a lot of places in the Bible. And they got rid of things that were sin and more said, you know, that these things were not good for your health, you know, type thing. So so there were a lot of these things that happened. And in the end, I what I really think hurt in that day, and it hurt us to this day, is that a lot of that, where they decreased what a sin was, it really led to more sin. Mm-hmm. People didn't know people it was softened and it really ultimately i think led to really what i want to say is rebellion you know and the result of this not turning back uh to god i think really 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 um it took away the concept of righteousness it took away the concept of changing uh toward it and, and walking toward god and more it, really what it did was it took away it changed his word, it diluted the blood of Christ, it cheapened the gospel of grace, and it really made sin, I, I wanna say this, this is started in 92 and it's really deep now, it made sin more comfortable. And now yes. we wouldn't even call it sin, we would just call it normal. Yeah. Right. Sin became comfortable and now it's normal and it's almost the opposite. So the result of us not turning our back on sin and following the Bible in the old days was Sodom and Gomorrah. They didn't follow God's teachings in the early Pentateuch. So you see the destruction of it because they didn't follow what God wanted. And that was when God's will was just known amongst the men. Now today you see modern day Sodom and Gomorrah in San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York. They're modern day, modern day Sodom and Gomorrahs. I mean, just theft and rampant hurt and disease and drug drug addiction and 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 sexual deviancy and and just just mass issues there right now but i i can pick on other places but what do we do with what's happening in marion and heron and carterville and carbondale today i mean when i got back here 15 years ago murder was once a year twice Mm. a year maybe in our region there's murders and people shot now every weekend. Yeah. Every weekend there's gunplay. Every weekend there's bad things happening. And what's happened is I want to argue that this the spiritual malnutrition has now infected our society and it's just so rampant in us today um, that it's deep. I, I wrote this, guys, in 1992. Here's what I wrote. I wrote after the general conference. And I, I want to just suggest that this is prophetic a little bit. I, I wasn't trying to be prophetic then, but I really was trying to speak forward though. There were some difficult challenges in 1992 and many more such happenings. Our general conference went well, but when I was there, I went to the, the last few days of it. I think it was in Evansville or, or, or Louisville, Kentucky. I was in fear for a while for our church because the loud liberal group is just that they were very loud and vocal and and they were they were they were very in the media group uh they they got the media's attention but after watching the delegates 
and hearing the debate and hearing the guy from Zimbabwe and the guy from Georgia and the other people and seeing the votes, I realized that the people that were for the liberal movement of the, the Bible changing things were a loud minority. And I realized that we, if we don't become, we don't become people that love the Lord, love the Bible, that, that believe God's word is yesterday, today, and forever. If we don't become more of a loud majority, then very soon we're going to become the minority. Mm-hmm. And that majority that was a minority then is going to take over. And I went on to say to my congregation in that day, if we do not become a loud minority, all of us will eventually be embroiled in the sins of Satan. Mm-hmm. The church will be lost and our kids forsaken and families will be condemned to eternal hell. And what I meant was we were so quiet in those days. We won because of the sheer number, but now we're losing and we're now a silent minority. And the loud, the the loud minority from that day is the loud majority today. Mm. And I think we have to understand that James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God, then resist the devil and he will flee from you. The church and the people today are going to have to make some decisions. You're seeing that amongst the Methodist churches across the country and around the world right now. They're having to decide whether they're going to stay connected to the church that's now become apostate. What was the minority view now is the majority view. And now what was the majority view is a minority. And they are now exiting the historical church to form either independent Methodist churches or they're going to the global Methodist church, but they're leaving. We have a group of them talking to us about coming and being part of our church through Africa at Community of Faith Church. The church and God's people today have got to stand up and be heard in the name of Jesus because we will only be judged against one thing for how the Bible tells us so. And and I really really believe if we don't become, and and I preached very heavily on this, the rest of the year here at Community Faith Church. So as soon as this series is over in January, I started a series called The Resistance. And I really believe if we don't become a resistance again, if we don't begin to be like the church in early Acts going out and presenting the gospel to the Roman world of that day, if we don't begin to present the gospel of Jesus Christ as a relevant living word to the world today, unadulterated, then we're going to eventually be embroiled in the sin so much so that it won't exist. The church is going to be lost and our kids will be forsaken and our families will be condemned to eternal life in hell. I believe if we don't do it, the church will be lost in our generation. Yeah. And we're on that path right now. I, I don't believe in the end the gospel will fail because I believe God will rise up people from other places to come and champion again. I believe if we don't do it, the rocks will cry out. I just don't believe he's going to completely forsake us because the Bible tells us the end times there will be those that persevere. I want to be one of those that resist and persevere. I want to be a Daniel and a Shadrach and a Meshach and a Bendigo for our day. And, and to be that, it's a tough hour because in 1992, we were the silent majority and the loud minority was for all these changes. But now the loud minority is the loud majority. And those of us that were the silent majority are now scared to say some things for our life because we could be locked out of society, kicked out of our bank, taken off Facebook, taken off Twitter, taken off YouTube. Anything you say or do could have you, you could be fired, you could be lost from a job. People are going back and looking at people's Twitter. I saw somebody yesterday that didn't get a job as a coach someplace because he had biblical Twitter comments. Yeah, and it's just gonna get worse. And it's just gonna get worse. But in Acts, to be fair, the Acts church 
was ostracized by the Roman culture and functioned as a Christian society amongst itself. And we may have to begin to do business amongst ourselves. I saw a great article yesterday, and I'll I'll use this kind of to get close to wrapping us up here because we need to get out of this, is I saw where, you know, the angel network you're watching uh, stuff on now, the the, the Chosen, and Mm -hmm. I saw the angel networks coming out with all kinds of new shows and Mm -hmm. Christian shows and movies and stuff. And they're saying that the angel network is now ramping up because it's funded by people now. Right. Christians who used to go to Disney and spend uh, all kinds of money to get annual passes at Disney and had, uh, you know, memberships at Disney and spent, I mean, thousands and tens of yeah. thousands of dollars at Disney. Well, yeah. Many of them are abandoning Disney now because of what Disney's stance has become on things. Yeah. And they're now moving their monies to Angel. And a lot of people are suggesting the Angels are going to become the new Disney. I like that. For Christians. And that we need to support that kind of movement because there'll be a new world. And that's what we happened in the Bible. We have a new couple coming to our church because they watched The Chosen. They had never been raised in church. Their families are not in church. They started coming because... The chosen. the chosen and they began to look around and it intrigued them and they began to look around for a biblically functioning church and they heard about us yes. and got to community of faith church yes and they are involved in our church they, they're involved in wednesday and sunday they did the members class they're excited got a great testimony and they're just one completely to new to the church world and that was from a crowdfunded project yes that teaches the gospel of jesus christ in a way today that got them excited so there is hope yeah it, it may feel dark out there, but you know, the book of Acts was dark. They were killing Christians for being Christians. I mean, Paul was there, Saul, when they stoned Stephen. Right. And that persecution pushed the gospel out. We, we're a result of that. There can be persecution today. There was persecution for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the Lord will prevail. The Holy Spirit will be there. Yes. And other things will come up. And just because Disney abandons uh, children and goes crazy, doesn't mean God can't rise up new things. And That's when nobody funny. would do business with the Christians in Acts, the Christians grew their church anyway, and there were so many Christians, they did business amongst themselves. Yep. You, It's possible that Christianity could thrive as a culture inside a culture yep. for generations. Yes. And in due season, if the witness is strong, others will be attracted. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, Jesus Christ, I will draw all people unto me. And the Jews have been in that place before. They have been in that place before. It's from their heritage. Well, they, they've always been people of the special covenant. Yep. You know, and we are going to have to be people that are grafted onto that vine of the special covenant. Mm-hmm. The only way we can resist, and I'll close with this series with this, is we have to accept, number one, God's adult, unadulterated word, the logos for ourselves. You don't have to accept it, but if you want to be a believer, you have to accept that word, not the adopted word, not the changed word, but a believer is a believer in the word of life, the logos. That is the life of Jesus, unadulterated. Number two, you've got to know, love, and serve that word and not just hide it in your hearts. I didn't say always be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to need to repent. We're going to need to back up. Righteous people fall down. The Bible says that. The key is that we get back up. We have to know, love, and serve that word and not just hide it in our hearts. And number three, we got to be witnesses to that power. We're saved uh, by the blood of the lamb and that paired with the word of our testimony. We've got to understand the blood of Jesus Christ can change me. And when I get changed, I need to declare that proudly and tell other people so that the Acts community grows. 
that refugee community grows and we become a, a culture of our own. And eventually that culture, if it grows strong enough, could become again a dominant culture in our society. Mm-hmm. We could see what we call revival. Revival comes when a, when a movement becomes dominant. We're not dominant right now because people have rejected the heart of what makes us dominant and that's the Holy Spirit. I know the Holy Spirit's a bit grieved right now, but the Holy Spirit's been grieved in many generations and many societies and by many cultures and by many things being sacrificed, but we can turn to God, cry out in his name, and he can bless again a nation and turn it around. Finally, we have to resist the world. We have to resist the world and the world must see an alternative. And to be that alternative, Jerry said those great words. Let me see if I can go back and find Jerry's words. Uh, one more time, because I, I hate to say this, but Jerry just had was on when he said that. Jerry said that sin grows best in darkness. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. What we have to do is stop sin by being those light fixtures. Mm-hmm. We have to be the light of the world. And we've got to let the word of God light us. I'm talking about not the word of God, the unadulterated word of God light us and be faithful to it and trust that loving Jesus and fearing God is the right way. And then we have to live that life with a conviction, not out of hatred, but we have to live it with a conviction. And when we do that, it will begin to attract other people because they will see the glory of God in our lives and they'll see the, see the value of that by the way we love God and love each other. And it comes down to the real simple words. Well, the Bible tells us so. And we have to decide, Will the Bible tell you so? Each person out there has to decide for themselves, will the Bible tell you so? And here's the thing, just like you get to choose on Christianity, you get to choose whether you'll believe or not. You get to choose whether the Bible will tell you so or not, but you can't change it. And you're not gonna ignore it because in the very end, we will all stand at the great throne of judgment and be judged by whether we live by what the Bible tells us so. So don't be upset at God for holding you accountable for what he told you so. Get in the word, read the word, and understand for the Bible tells you so. We cannot change it. And if we don't take it in, we're going to be malnourished. Malnourished societies cease. Lots, the Romans cease. The Greeks ceased. <coughs> societies that give up the word cease. We haven't ceased yet. But even though society ceases, other societies succeed. I hope that we can see revival in our society, or our hope at least our kids can be a part of what succeeds us. But the kingdom of God, in the end, will be reconciled with only one thing, the living word of God. Yeah. There'll be no other choice. This has been a great discussion. We look forward to your discussion. If you want to gripe at us about what Mother Beth said, social media. But I, th- I think what she said is good, though. Be nice. I think, yeah, be nice. I think we all need to be doing what we can to lift up the name of Jesus and help people get cr- closer to Christ. We don't need to try to live as permissible as we can to the edge of the world. We need to live as close as we can to the permissions of God. We need to, we need to help each other grow closer to the kingdom of God. So I hope you've enjoyed this. And this is probably our last show of the season as we go into our best of. And we just want you to get into the stuff, get back through it, check it out and enjoy what we've been doing on the dock. We are looking so forward to future shows and episodes. And uh, this has been fantastic. Lucas, any final words for this? 
No, I don't think so. It's been it's been pretty provocative. Wasn't Beth risky? Yeah. This is the most risky Beth's ever been. <laughs> I, it's about time. I think you and I should go out different doors today. Just in case they're out waiting. Just in case. Just yeah. in case. Just in case. But it's been fantastic. Mother Beth, any final words? No, I've said enough. You've said <laughs> enough. You've said enough. Well, I want to thank everybody for enjoying us and being a part of us. Get out there, and we want to hear from you through all of our platforms. Go check us out at YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, and ServerNet. And once again, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, Getter. Go find us on all of our on-the-dock spots there, and we would love to have conversation with you. If you can't find those, you can go to onthedock.org. There's links to all those there. Email us also at info on the doc.org. Tell us more about it. And please hit subscribe, like, notify, tell others about it. Get back in the archives, watch some of the other shows, share those with your family and friends, and we'll have other great things coming at you real, real soon. Love to have you as that Patreon partner sponsor. Love to have you on the set and be a part of the show. Check that out and find out how you can be a part. And we always want to make sure you're getting in a good Bible-believing church in your area, in your zone. If you're in Southern Illinois, you don't have that place, you can come out and check us out Sundays at 10 o'clock, Wednesdays at 6.30 at coftv.com. You can check us out online. We do broadcast on Wednesdays and Sundays. You can look at those things. But come out and join us live. You need to get in fellowship live with somebody. Love to have you here at Community Faith Church. So I'm Pastor Troy, and we have had a great time with you today. This has been a great series. Go check out this whole five-part series for The Bible Tells You So, and look out for other great things coming from On the Dock soon, and we'll see you soon.